It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's the one thing all great teams have in common? Great coaching. Try to suck up to me, everyone. I'm Gordon Bombay, the new hockey coach. All right, let's go! Learn me! Come on! We're Team USA, gathered from all across America. And we're going to stick together. You know why? Because we are ducks, and ducks fly together. It's the Quack Attack Podcast. Hey, everybody. You can't make me cheat. I'm Mike. That's Tommy. Hey, what's up, everyone? That's Kevin. What's up, y'all? On the phone again. Kevin, how is your car doing? Uh car is doing the same as it was last week. No updates. But I but I do have uh, some parts that I just got in the mail. And uh, not all of them yet. Still waiting on the radiator. But uh, I shall commence soon on trying to fix the car. Well, I mean, do you have an estimated time of uh, when you're going to do this? I mean, I'm hoping to do it maybe this weekend if I find the time. But, I mean, once I start it, I don't think it'll take that long. But, you know, I've been wrong before. <laughs> uh, besides? I mean, not often, but. <laughs> not often? Uh, yeah. That's up for debate. But, uh, I mean, besides that, I just want to tell everyone, been working on some guests. I got like four people I'm working on. Three have said that they're in, but they just haven't been able to, like, match up their schedules and stuff like that. So. They're coming, hopefully. Hopefully, and one is one is pretty big. I'll tell you that. So, they're coming, hopefully. Beyond that, let's move on to the topic today. Tommy, what is that topic? And so, this topic, and I might need Mike to help me explain a little bit because it's his idea. Mm-hmm. This is a, a Michael brainchild, if you will. And so, basically, as we all know, the trilogy was a series of documentaries. Um, but as with all documentaries, they have to be edited. Um, and so we're wondering, were any of the edits made um, to make it? Did were any of the ducks upset with uh, the edits? Did they perhaps not look as favorably as they thought they were? Now is that right, Mike? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, every time you edit something down, you know, people think they get misrepresented. They they get a bad edit. They get a good edit. So. I mean, these have been out. There's the infamous taken out of context. Yes, exactly. So we're trying to figure out which of these ducks ducks watched the documentaries and were happy or unhappy with how they were portrayed in this film. Now, Documentary. Uh, documentary film. Now, I mean... There's a few people who I think might have the biggest claims that they were misrepresented. Uh, I think Bombay could make that claim. I think Tibbles could even make that claim. Uh, just being so like cutthroat, cutthroat on Bombay there uh, after they lose. Casey Conway I don't think comes across well at the end. There's Maria from Iceland. There's Adam Banks who kind of seems like a stuck up rich kid. Whether it's any of those or it's somebody else, is there 
anybody you think that's been uh, has sort of the biggest claim to have been misrepresented here? I think Charlie, based on uh, kind of the, especially in the first documentary, um, kind of he catches this Spazway moniker, um, and I, I think that was uh, that's kind of some timely editing. Uh, kind of contributed to that, um, and then uh, kind of in the in the third documentary, I think they maybe can create they creatively edited to. I mean, he did cause quite a bit of trouble with just being as moody as he was, but I think I think that was maybe a little bit of um, a little bit of creative editing to kind of play that up a little bit. Okay, so so you're saying that you know. Conway maybe wasn't as bad as they they presented him in D three. Now D one, you say he like he, they just edited that fall in, and then and then Carp is like he's Spazway. Yeah, and that just kind of sticks with him. Okay, so he was never really Spazway, or you, I guess the theory is, or Conway. Yeah, would... yes, I'm theorizing that that's that he kind of he might have a claim to this. Okay, I gotcha. Uh, I think Carp might have a claim, and maybe he's not as dumb as we make him out to be. Um, particularly, he uh, he knows what sarcasm means, and he gives that sarcastic response. Uh, and also, and what you just talked about, where he refers to Charlie as Spazway, that seems kind of like a, like the way he says it seems like, uh, are you kidding me? Like, come on, coach. Like, even I can see that, and or whatever. And so I don't think he's as dumb. And then we have, like, Peter making fun of him a bunch. And so maybe that, like, Peter is really just kind of a real dick mm. because when Carp gets hit with the I puck. Think, I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. <laughs> and so Park get, or Carp gets hit by the puck, and he's like, how many fingers am I holding up? And he goes, he wouldn't know that anyway. And he goes, oh, shut up, Peter. And so that makes Carp look really stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they're talking about... um. When like Peter overhears the um, uh, like the Hawks coach or whatever, and he goes in and Carp like storms out like right away, and it's kind of funny when Carp storms out. So maybe like Peter was like mumbling things under his breath to Carp the whole time, and so Carp got really upset, and so maybe that's why he stormed out. Um, and also to that go to that point, I wonder if there was more of a conversation between like um, Coach Riley and 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 Bombay mm-hmm. because. Bombay was obviously being sarcastic and was like, oh, they're losers. They never should have been born. So maybe he said something much worse. Oh. And that's why they wouldn't play. Interesting. Like, oh, I'm just here to, you know, fuck Charlie's mom. <laughs> <laughs> you know how what that, that's like, coach? <laughs> and maybe that's that's why they wouldn't play for oh, him. Oh, and then they cut that out. I could see that. Uh, now with Carp, Carp is interesting because... I mean, if you're talking about Peter and you're talking about, oh, he is, you know, talking to Carp and that stuff, is that a misrepresentation or is that just Carp falling too hard under Peter's spell there? Maybe it's falling too hard under Peter's spell, but maybe they don't play up that Peter is this kind of, like, sociopath. Mm, Okay. I can see that. And I wonder, and there's also another spin potentially to the whole Bombay, um, you know, Riley, they never should have been born. They're losers. Maybe Peter lied in the locker room about what was being said. Because he could probably say, he said we were losers, that we shouldn't have been born, and he was a hawk. I can imagine them being like, Peter, you, like, what? 
but maybe he was like, oh, and then he said all these other terrible things about uh-huh. like Jesse and Terry, and he said he was only here to bang Charlie's mom or something like that. <laughs> so, I, so maybe that was edited out. Yeah, I mean that that would make a lot more sense because I feel like you assume at that point even like kids have the basic understanding of sarcasm and sarcasm and could tell Bombay was being sarcastic with this voice, which it's very obvious there. So I think that's really in play. And and what they could have done is they could have edited it to make Peter not look as like devious because like this kid is evil. Mm. And so maybe they edited it. So it wasn't like as like he didn't look as evil because otherwise people would have been like, why do you have this evil kid on your team? Like <laughs> better to have this dumb kid than this evil kid. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. And Peter's like, I don't know, semi-likable throughout the film. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. He seems just kind of like a, I don't know, like a, a little bit of like, not, I don't want to say bully, mm-hmm. but he like, he definitely like teases people, but it's like good natured, it seems. Yeah. So, I mean, the documentary make, filmmakers there would be uh, incentivized to make him look better instead of this, like, evil kid. Yeah, they make him look likable. And Carp is still likable despite him looking like a dope. Yeah. And I wonder if they told him to wear that football helmet instead of a hockey helmet. Oh, a little interference there. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, I Back to your point, Kevin. I, I didn't really think about this Spazway deal, but it makes a lot of sense because they never call him Spazway again. No one ever, no one else ever like refers to Spazway or anything. It's just that one moment, and it's just Carp saying something. So I could definitely believe that. Uh, and uh, not even just that, but then also in in the third one, um, kind of almost putting that entire loss on or that tie on his shoulders. Um, whenever he trips and falls. Oh yeah. That was that was the tie, right? Yeah, yeah. Against the yeah. Blake Bears, he's nine going to nine. Through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good point. See, I'm not sure if they're just blaming it on him or, or it's actually misrepresented as them blaming him it on him because he got the puck all the way to the goal line and just like was about to score. So I don't think it's all that bad of a play, but that's a whole different conversation. Uh. Let's go to Bombay because I think Bombay is the most interesting in his portrayal because he looks like a terrible person most of the time, but he comes around in basically the two films and then there's a little bit of the third film where he's like this hero person. So I just, how do you think Gordon Bombay would look at his portrayal uh, now? Um. One scene that jumps out to me is after he does have um, ice cream with uh, Maria Icelandchick and Fulton and um, Portman kind of give him uh, some shit for it in the locker room. And he kind of goes off on him. He's like, what I do in my personal time is no one's business or whatever like mm-hmm. that. Um, so maybe there had been times before then where the kids were really prying or, or something like that. Um, and he made it known like, hey, guys, I don't. I don't really like to talk about that or something like that, especially because they all knew like, hey, you and Charlie's mom were a thing. Like what happened there? Maybe he made it very clear. It's just like, you know, I'm not I don't want to talk about my love life or whatever. It's not good for the team. And so maybe he kind of got pissed at Fulton and and Portman kind of bringing that up. So maybe he's had to like kind of reprimand them before. So I think that's a good point. Like we never really see them interacting as a team um, 
outside of that, or I guess interacting with Bombay. Um, so yeah, they could have been, you know, you know, bugging the shit out of him for years. Yeah, maybe um, maybe making comments about like, oh, whose mom are you gonna sleep with next? Exactly. So I, I think that's I think that's a really good point. Good good point, Tommy. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> so I Bombay I feel like would... we don't say that enough. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to just get that and replay it. Uh, so Bombay would really, I mean, he would probably be unhappy with that, that point specifically. But as an overall character, um, like, like has enough sort of been made about his good traits versus his bad traits? Like, do we, does, is it like a good sort of uh, uh, profile of him just in general? Uh, I don't think it's, uh, I think they do a pretty good job of, um, and whether this is creative editing or not, of just kind of tearing him down and building him back up. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and and which obviously is important for the series. Um, But um, I I think it's a pretty good picture because I mean, he's he's a pretty, you know, he kind of goes full cycle a couple times. Um, So I think it's, uh, one of the more complete portrayals um, and they, they might have been begun maybe a little or he might view it as a little heavy-handed um, whenever they're showing his lows um, you know like when he whenever he gets busted for the drinking and driving and how he kind of just reacts to it um, and how he like treats the people he works with um, and then also kind of whenever he starts getting really full of himself um, I think he might kind of view that as a uh, maybe a little too heavy-handed, but I think um, most people, and I, I guess myself, kind of see that as it was probably pretty accurate, um, especially just when you take into account the peaks and valleys that he was going through. Yeah, I would have to agree. I think you have to uh, sort of exaggerate the lows just for the story, but uh, yeah, I think it's a good sort of portrayal of him uh now which duck i mean we kind of talked about this with peter but which duck either was the most different do we think from how he or she was portrayed or which duck just got the best edit in general you think um i don't necessarily think this is um like a poor representation of his character but i think Gee looks sterling throughout mm-hmm. the documentaries um and i i and it's tough to say, but like I think it's because he is a generally good guy. He's, he appears to be generally very well liked. But is there a moment in there where just like Guy's kind of being a a dick? But nothing. Like he just looks great the entire time. Yeah, I think Guy would be. I think he would be a little. Um, I don't want to say upset, but perturbed about how he looked like like he couldn't close the deal. Like maybe he has already closed the deal with Connie like a lot and they just never showed it because they needed that sort of uh, tension there in the background. So maybe I think that would be the one thing he would take issue with. But yeah, I mean, he doesn't look bad really at all. Uh, Kevin, do you have anybody that you, you think either got a good edit or was way different from what they how are they are portrayed? I, I think maybe... Um kind of on the other side of that coin, uh, maybe Averman might be a little upset about how goofy, just downright goofy they made him seem. Like I, I can imagine him being in a situation where it's hard 
people don't take him seriously at all because you know they've seen that and they're like, oh, he's just a you know he's just a fuck off, you know. Mm-hmm. He just does he just makes jokes all the time and stuff. And maybe he does have kind of a more serious side, but they decided to play up his kind of class clown mentality a lot more. So I, I can kind of see that working kind of on the other side of that gee coin. Uh, I also kind of see something where maybe they they played up kind of that, and I think we've established that Averman is a, a pretty good hockey player. Like he's definitely among the top half, and so maybe that kind of gets overlooked because of his, you know, personality portrayal. And also Goldberg is kind of portrayed as being terrible, like, and he's put at defenseman. And I think everyone's probably like, "Why would you like? He's terrible." Like you see him skating through like the park, and he's really bad. He has no idea what he's doing, and so that probably maybe perturbs Goldberg. Maybe he's like, "Hey, I'm actually not that bad. I do know what I'm doing." Like with the the stick in my hands, and that also probably maybe downplays a little bit of Orion's like coaching ability. Cause you're thinking, why is he putting Goldberg in, in defense when actually, okay. Yeah. Goldberg actually isn't as terrible as you might think. Yeah. That's a good point. Just because even if you're playing Trinidad and Tobago or like Italy or all those other teams that basically weren't Iceland in the junior good world games, he's going to have to make some stops. So even if he's, even if he's making like five to ten stops a game, he's still got to make those stops, and and he's kind of portrayed as how as not even being able to move at points. So yeah, yeah. So I yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I want to bring up now Fulton here. Now Fulton looks very good throughout the documentaries, um, but we kind of see him living life on the streets, kind of a hard kid. Uh, he does leave Eden Hall for a bit. I'm I'm willing to bet he's maybe not as uh, sort of heroic as he is played out to be just because of his street background and just where he's hanging out at this point when we first meet him. So I think maybe a scene that's evident of that is when he um, in the beginning of D2 when the Hawks are like there watching the Ducks and he goes in and he basically like he tears all their clothes off. Yeah. It's a very kind of unsettling scene (laughs) um and so maybe that's kind of like harkens back to his days of like being a bully or kind of being rough and always you know kind of having like eyes in the back of his head and like kind of throwing down with kids Uh and because i mean he, he seems like um very much a role of enforcer then when he takes on was it i know mcgill and um, Larson was the other one. Was it just two of the ducks? There was three. There, there was, was some three. blonde hair kid that we don't know who it was. And so he dist- he managed to tie the three of them up, like somehow. How do you tie three people up <laughs> That's a good by question. yourself, pulling down their pants the whole time? And so there's something there with Fulton. I mean, maybe he had a gun on him. <laughs> oh yeah, he like threatened them, and they had to do it themselves. Yeah, like I. I like that idea too because um, maybe the maybe it wasn't that uh, um, whenever he did go to play for the Ducks, maybe it wasn't that he was kind of spurning uh, football. Maybe he got kicked off the football team mm. and he kind of had to play because um, you know for whatever reason, whether it was you know, I mean I, I don't. It's pretty tough to get kicked off a football team for being too much of a bully, but um, <laughs> you know m- maybe he did you know go over the line or something and. So that's why he ended up playing hockey and, and, and changed his ways or, or whatever. But I could totally see that. 
Yeah, and that scene is presented as like goofy and fun and stuff like that. But if you take it just on its own, obviously the Hawks are doing something bad. They're trying to hit the Ducks. But Fulton definitely sort of crosses a line here. And if you if you just look at it on its own, it definitely crosses the line. So, yeah, I think there's some past to Fulton that we don't know specifically because the documentary makers didn't want us to know. Uh, now, let I mean, just anybody else, anybody else you want to hit before we move on to the quiet question here? Um, I mean, I, I think maybe they played up um, Dwayne's stupidity a little bit. Um, I think that could kind of be a little unfair. Um, Cause I mean, it's re- you, you really don't see him, but a few times uh, and whenever you do, um, he looks like he's, you know, pretty dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see him maybe being that kind of guy. Yeah. And he's super engaged in the classes during the montage scene of our last Mighty Ducks minute. The, the teacher calls him out specifically. So yeah, maybe he's super like focused on class and stuff, but he just has goofy moments and those are played up. So I like that. Uh, let's go to the quack question. Before we go to the quack question though, I did get an email from Quackalite Alton and he very, um, I'll just say sarcastically said, I was wondering you could explain the concept of the quack question one more time. I think I've listened to every episode, but I'm still having trouble grasping this. Do you ask the listeners <laughs> questions? Do we ask you questions? What happens after that? It's really confusing. Well, Alton, I'll explain it one more time for you. Uh, we enjoy the quack questions. What happens is you send them in on Twitter. You send them in through email. You can send them in through snail mail if you want. Or email Alton. Or email Alton, yeah. He, Alton started his email by saying that we discriminate against non-Twitter users, which I took issue with. But let's just move on. Let's just move on. <laughs> uh, so, Kevin, do you have the quiet question for us? I do have the quiet question, Mike, um, and thank you for explaining it um, to our quackalites and maybe new quackalites out there. Um, to all the first-time listeners. Exactly. Yes. Um, so this week's quack question comes from Brian, who is at bbird19 on Twitter. Uh, his question is, does Orion get fired if his decision to play Goldberg at the end of the Varsity Showdown backfires and the Ducks lose? Yeah, now this is an interesting question. As, as uh, Just to sort of recap, I guess. Goldberg is playing defense in the finals against the varsity in the final minutes, I guess. And uh, he's just moved to the position. He's just moved the position this season. He's been a goalie his whole life. So I can see the fact where if Goldberg doesn't come down and score the game winner, there's, there's a lot of questions being asked to Orion. Now, personally, I think there's a few different factors you got to play into this here. Now, this is a JV varsity showdown. So the JV isn't expected to win this, really. So I don't think I don't think it's a fireable offense just to lose this game because you made one uh, wrong decision. Now, on the other hand, 
Orion skating on thin ice after the dean came over to the bus and talked about you know the ducks were gone and stuff like that. So maybe uh, maybe he is on thin ice and and they're just looking for an excuse. But the other factor I think we need to play in here is is Goldberg has been working at this for a little bit. So maybe he has improved and maybe he's one of the game's better defenders. And this kind of goes back to our topic. And maybe we just don't see it. Maybe he's not portrayed that way. So uh, me personally, I don't think it's a fireable offense, but you guys may disagree here. I, I think don't... it would be pretty funny uh, if they did fire the like the JV coach every time they lost to the varsity. That would be like <laughs> the least desirable job in the country. <laughs> Um, I, I think he doesn't now he doesn't get fired, but I do think um it would be interesting if he did that and Goldberg was just dreadful and they lose because like they like immediately like clang in three goals or something while Goldberg's out there and he loses the team or something because of it. Mm. They're just like, Why did you put Goldberg at defense? Like what were you thinking? Goldberg is terrible. Why would you do that? <laughs> and so maybe like Goldberg's confidence is absolutely shot for his entire high school career. And the team just kind of, it takes a while for them to rebuild their trust with uh, Coach Orion. So, but yeah, I don't think he gets fired. Now, if it was a varsity coach um, in, a, like, in like the state finals or something, I could see like the board really questioning it. Mm-hmm. Especially if this was like at a higher level. Like, I don't think you would get fired, but it would definitely like raise questions about like, what are you doing? So, yeah. Uh, that's a good point in terms of Goldberg's career. Like, if he does get beat right there in the final minutes, and they he they basically lose because of him, that could make him a whole entire just outcast on the team. Um, Goldberg, really, in that situation, I mean, I personally wouldn't put him out there. I think at that point you have a uh, you can put together even like a super lineup where you just put all your best players regardless of position out there. Because you've worked all season to play defense. Even your forwards you've worked with on playing defense. So I think you just put your best five players out there and, and see what happens. But um, So I mean, there's definitely a question there. I think questions are asked about why is Goldberg and like what was Orion doing. But I think at a certain point, Orion's already kind of won them over. So... so those questions kind of fade away eventually, but who knows? Who knows? Kevin, any other thoughts here? I I, I definitely don't think he gets fired, um, but I do think he may be I, – I, and I guess one question we have to ask is who would be making that decision? Would it be the varsity coach or would it be the president or who makes that decision? That is a good question. I mean, you figure the varsity coach has control over the entire Eden Hall program there. Um, yeah. But I don't know if he's just got full veto power to fire his all the coaches, especially if Eden Hall is, like, grooming Orion to take over at some point. Um, I would assume it's up to the varsity coach, but – that is kind of dangerous because even if Orion like wins and the JV beats the varsity, maybe he's the varsity coach like sees a threat or something. So it's probably going to have to be a team deal. Like the board might have something to do with it or the dean and the varsity coach has a say. I think that 
is kind of the most realistic possibility there. Yeah, I could I could kind of see like the seeds being planted by the varsity coach being like, did you see what O'Ryan did? Like, there's you know, the, he's he's not the kind of coach that we need around here. So I could see that going bad for O'Ryan kind of quickly, mm-hmm. but I don't think it would be like an on the spot firing type of deal. And I think the other thing to take into play here is uh, they've won 10 state championships in a row. So this coach probably does have a lot of power. So maybe, yeah, maybe he sees Orion making mistakes and that plants the seeds and then everything kind of gets set into motion there. So maybe it's not as black and white, but maybe this is the first domino to towards getting Orion fired. Yeah, I mean, the coach might be like, hey, Goldberg's, you need to be putting him at goalie because he's going to be the backup goalie at one day. Like, don't. Like yeah, don't play him at defense. Yeah, and if if Orion did that, and like if the varsity coach told him that, and Orion continued to play Goldberg on defense anyway, I think that's also a cause for concern there. So yeah, and the fact that Banks makes varsity, I think, shows that um, like the varsity coach is very like plugged into what's going on in the JV level. Mm-hmm. Like he might not know all. The, like he probably knows their numbers and knows like okay, I like that left winger. You know, I like that, you know, defender or whatever. And because, you know, he's going to have to deal with call-ups probably late in the year, potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. A lot to think about here. A lot to think about. So what we're going to need you to do is go to com, Leave us a comment on your thoughts on this whole deal. Or at QuackDickPod on Twitter, you can tweet us. For those of you who don't have Twitter... You can email us, or you can go on Facebook and leave some comments. We see, we see it all. So any social media platform, any sort of internet-based device, or I don't know if device is the right word, but I'm just going to go with it, uh, we, we will see. So if you're like Alton and don't have Twitter because quote-unquote Twitter is dumb, and I mean I think there are good points either way there, but... Uh, there are other ways to find us and go to the shop, buy your gifts, use the, use our about free shipping. Yeah. Free shipping till November 21st on orders over $45 us, $80 international. Uh, it's, it's attached to our Twitter. The, the promo code I should say is attached to our Twitter profile page. It's pinned. Uh, it's pinned to our Facebook page. So go there get the code. Then you'll get your free shipping. And you can buy everyone Christmas gifts early. And, or uh, Hanukkah gifts. Or Hanukkah gifts. That's true. We don't discriminate here. And uh, other than that, go to iTunes. Give us five stars. Write us a review. Tell us which duck you think was portrayed the worst versus how they actually are in the documentaries. Or I guess how they actually are in real life versus the documentaries. And remember... Ducks fly together. Ducks fly together. Quack, quack. Good, good point, Tommy. <laughs>